What is Matt Mosley? And uh, we're rolling through a day. I'm spring breaking with, uh, with, with my family, have made my way to the beach. And a uh, man who's taken plenty of spring break trips over his, uh, over his career. I'm not sure his girls still want a spring break with him, though. They're, they're, uh, they're like in college, and one of them's out of college, and so who knows. But uh, it is Kevin Longquist. The man from Rivals who covers Baylor, uh, Kevin. I uh, good to good to be visiting with you. Um, at first blush, when you saw uh, Baylor's draw, and obviously we knew they were going to be probably going to be in Fort Worth, but then uh, where they go with the Philly thing next, and and who they could end up playing, which in the Sweet Sixteen, obviously it could be UCLA. Um, I, I I feel like it could have been easier. Um, I mean, they're going to have to get through either North Carolina or Marquette, and then there's a good chance they could see UCLA in the Sweet 16. Well, at first blush, what do you think about Baylor's draw? Uh, it's challenging, uh, but it's doable. I, I think really what it comes down to is, you know, the, the, the tricky game, well, it's always going to be that 1-8-9 game. You know, if they, once they take care of Norfolk State on – Saturday, no disrespect to them, but it, once they take care of business on set on Thursday, and then they get to the winner of Marquette, North Carolina, you're going to face one of those teams that's had really good wins, and then they've had really bad losses, and it's kind of hard to differentiate which team would show up, because if they're on, they're going to give Baylor a problem. Now, if they're fortunate enough to get to Philadelphia next week, yeah, you're right. You know, UCLA is kind of the same same way, because the Bruins, if presuming they get past you know if it's st mary's and i know some people feel like st mary's can can get there next week but if they get if they get to ucla you know the bruins are uh, the kind of team and i've watched them several times i watched them against arizona didn't watch them against arizona on saturday but i watched them against arizona back in january and you know it's a veteran team they were all to see all of the final four last year lost in that heartbreaker at the buzzer beater by gonzaga or else they would have been playing baylor for the title um and i think the one thing about them is you know they got two really good guards in johnny uh, juzang and then uh, jamie jocks uh you know they're they're combining the average about 30 31 points between them and so you know and they also have a win over villanova to start the year like uh, baylor does and i think that's a team that could create a lot of issues but then you know, if you're fortunate to get to the Elite Eight, that's where I think uh, where I have the concerns with them about either if it's – I would like them better against Purdue than I would like them against Kentucky because Purdue has a tendency to turn over the ball uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, the one thing about the Boilermakers is that, uh, you know, they have a guy who's probably going to go into the draft and Jaden Ivey, who's, you know, he's a tremendous offensive player. It's a more offensive team – that Matt Painter at Purdue has put together. But then you look at Kentucky at the two, and, you know, it almost feels like sometimes with Kentucky, from a rebounding standpoint, that's where I have a little bit of a concern there because you have a guy like Oscar Shebe, who's a tremendous athlete. You know, Ty Ty Washington is a really good guard. But, you know, Shebe, people from Baylor might remember when he was at West Virginia. But this is a guy that's taken it to, to the next level here where he's, He's averaging 17 and 15 a game, Matt. I don't think I've ever seen that kind of stat line before on a guy. And he's on a streak of 20 consecutive games of double-doubles. And so that's where I have the concern about is could Baylor, if they get into a physical game against Kentucky, 
could they win the battle of the boards to pull this out? I think the reason why Tennessee beat Kentucky in the SEC semifinals is because Tennessee was just as physical as Kentucky, if not a little, and they had the size to match up with Kentucky on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, Shibway is capable of like 20 rebound games. He does it on a, on a, on a pretty normal basis. And so it is uh, interesting to think about those matchups. Although, I mean, I, I, nothing says, you know, reigning national champs like you and I immediately examining the Elite Eight, who Baylor's going to play right. in the Elite Eight. And, um, and that's just kind of <laughs> that's kind of where, where we are in this whole thing. Did you I, – I, I didn't think the motivation was there. They didn't come out. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to read too much into that loss to Oklahoma, if you're looking for positives, I thought Del Bonner played well and looks like a guy that is ready to make a, a, a steady contribution just from an athletic standpoint. I thought he played well in that game. Flagler had an mm-hmm. off game. I, I can't say that I, I think Adam Flagler is a guy I would worry uh, a, a huge amount uh, about. Um, I don't know about – you know, Meyer is so interesting because – he is someone they really need, and yet, you know, if you've noticed lately, um, Scott's been reluctant to play him late. Uh, he's getting him, I mean, and he'll put him in there late for defense or whatever, but he's he's sitting him for much of the last, you know, in competitive close games, right. Meyer's been over there by Scott a lot on the yeah, bench. Yeah, yeah, when you need offense, you know, when you need to score points, you know, Matt's not your number one option, I and mean, he really hasn't been all year. Um, you, you know, really your your top choices are going to be Akinjo and Flagler, even though Flagler you know, had a really difficult night against uh, Oklahoma last week. Um, but those would be your two top scoring options, and you need those guys to produce at the end. The, the, the issue with Matt, I mean, Matt, look, Matt, we've seen this with Meyer pretty much throughout his career. He's much better. He's had a better floor game this year. He's been a better defender. There's no dispute over that. But when you see him, you know, deliver games where he just goes, and he hasn't had that one game really, I don't think, with maybe the exception of that burst and the first, when they played West Virginia at home, and they were able to pull that out because he went off in the last three minutes. But there's just not been that, consistency with Matt, and that's been the issue with Matt's offensive game throughout his career at Baylor. One game on, one game off, two games awesome, three games you can't find him. I mean, he does have a couple of donuts this year. Um, and I think that's just, you know, I've called him the wild horse for that reason because the fact that it's just been so much raw talent, but yet it's just been able unable to harness it, to get it to play on a night-in and night-out basis. And to your point, I think that's the reason why he hasn't been in there in late-game situations. Yeah, uh, talking to Kevin Longquist uh, from Rivals and uh, always uh, at Sikkim Sports, has some great uh, uh, updates at Baylor Rivals. He'll put some of his personal stuff up and uh, always good to kind of keep track of what, uh, what Kevin's up to. Kev, what about um, what about Sohan though? I mean, I, I feel like I feel like he's the he can be the matchup nightmare when they when yeah. they came back and they beat uh, Kansas. It was literally because they couldn't guard Sohan. I mean, he just right. absolutely 
uh, annihilated them off the dribble, and he was just too athletic, um, you know, out front. And then obviously he's become more and more confident. He's got more confidence, obviously, in his three than Kendall does at this point in their careers. Now, who knows? Kendall may someday be a pretty good three-point shooter. He's not real confident in that part of his game yet. Sohan already is. I mean, right. I, I guess what the way I think of it is, Kevin, when Sohan and Kendall are kind of doing their thing, Baylor is as good as anybody in the country. When they're not, they're kind of like a, eh, eh they're okay. They're an okay team. Yeah. But but when yeah, those guys are playing off yeah. each other, yeah, yeah, it's it's a way different teams considering how those guys are playing. Yeah, and I think you know the great thing about Jeremy is that I look at him as he he's absolutely in my mind taken over the spot that Jonathan Chamwa Chachua left behind when he went down a month ago against Texas. And I mean Jeremy has stepped in, delivered points, he's hit some big shots, he's been aggressive defensively on the boards, that sort of thing. Uh, and he's been that energy guy that this team needs. And I would agree with you that I think his game has matured a little bit more than Kendall. I think Kendall probably is more talented, but I also think, too, that Jeremy just kind of has that step to him that he just knows when he gets out there he's going to do well, and he's going to make a play and find a way to do something to help this team win a game or win a possession or something along those lines. And I think with Kendall, it's good to start him because you've got that length out there at about six eight six nine, and he can put it on the floor and, you know, and that sort of thing. And re- remember, Kendall made really two really big plays at the end of the Iowa State game that helped them uh, win that. Um, you know, this is the time of year, you know, Scott, I asked Scott about this in his presser yesterday with the media talking about this, about their growth. And he just talked about the fact that with these two, is the fact time is the fact that they've been battle tested. They've understood the physicality of what the Big Twelve is all about. And even though they only played one game in the tournament, they got that taste of what the one and done situation. You know where it's all on the line for one game, uh, and you've got to come through. And I think the players. And I think I would like to think that those two took something from that, and they can apply it starting Thursday. Yeah, I agree. I I uh I think that's right. Talking to Kevin Longquist from uh Rivals about uh Baylor's ranking, Baylor's seeding. Number one seed will be in Fort Worth on Thursday against uh, Norfolk State. Should be okay in that game. And then they tee it up against North Carolina or Marquette on uh on Saturday. Um I did want to uh congratulate uh Kevin, the University of Texas, you know, they paid Vic Schaefer all that money and they finally <laughs> got a victory over the Baylor women. So let's both uh, take some time to congratulate the Texas Longhorns for finally knocking off the Baylor women. 13-game losing streak that they had against Texas, right? Or excuse me, to Baylor, correct? Mm-hmm. I think it was, it, was, yes. it was going back to when you and I won. Well, I think that streak was going back to before, uh, your, before my girls were actually in high school. Uh, right now they were in high school, but before, well before they got into college, I can tell you that one. And so... Um, it's, but you know, it, it, that's the one thing about streaks is when they end, you kind of have to step back and really appreciate the work that went into beating somebody like this because it's really hard to do. It, I mean, it, it's, I don't think people can, you know, you take your, you know, the, the rivalry notwithstanding, if you watch conference tournaments over the weekend, um, and somebody had beaten somebody twice in the regular season, and then when they had that third matchup in the tournament, um, it was a problem. I mean, for, for you know, for starters, uh, you can look at Houston 
uh, beating Memphis yesterday in the American Conference Championship. Lost the two regular season meetings. The prior Sunday, they just got waxed in Memphis. And then they turn around and beat them by 18. Look, my alma mater, SMU, beat Memphis twice and had a problem with Memphis in the American semifinal. So it's, it shows you how hard it is to do this. And so you have to appreciate what Baylor's program has done to coaches during that time to keep their kind of streak going. You know, streaks are going to end. You just, you just don't want them to – and everyone kind of gets pensive about saying, well, I don't want to end it to this date. I don't want to end it to this date. But maybe there is something to be taken from this and understanding that maybe it helps the rivalry to some extent, even though obviously yesterday mm-hmm. didn't go the way anybody wanted it to. Yeah, and they will open Friday at the Farrell Center against uh, Hawaii. And uh, sorry about your Mustangs, by the way. They were uh, in a nip-and-tuck game. <laughs> and uh, there's just, uh, when you're in that conference, and hopefully someday SMU can join us in the Big 12, uh, it's a razor-thin margin. You just can't, you, you just really can't lose. And you can't. The problem that the Mustangs had this year is the fact they didn't have a very good non-conference schedule and they had a couple of really bad losses uh earlier in the year they went to a tournament in jacksonville where they lost to loyola marinot who was really bad in the west coast conference and then they lost to missouri who obviously wound up firing Quanzo martin and missouri had a bad year so you know those things add up together yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna be in a conference like that you, you're gonna have to step up your non-conference your non-conference schedule to show that you can play with the big boys because that's kind of how michigan got in they played a really difficult schedule even though their record is very nondescript at 17 and 14 yeah yeah i would say nondescript is a good word for uh for michigan you know i hated it for uh our friend grant mccasland uh in unt because they had such a tremendous season they won like 15 games in a row but it's just Mm -hmm. you know in that conference you can't get the strength of, of victories you need to uh, be able to withstand not winning your conference tournament. And they got beat by La Tech, and, of course, they end up in the NIT. And to your point about appreciating streaks like you do what Baylor did to Texas all those years, I, I've been, I was thinking that at the, NCAA, at the uh, Big 12 tournament with Kansas. I mean, it's nice that Baylor for the last three years has, and, of course, even that tournament they didn't play, they would have been a number one seed. It's really sure. nice because Baylor – for three years has been right there with Kansas, if not better, uh, and certainly better than Kansas last year because they won a national title. But sure. what Kansas did for going on 15 to 17 years or whatever is really unrivaled in college basketball, uh, other than Crazy. the UConn women, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That, I so. mean, that's, I mean, and, and, you know, that's the one thing that makes you, a pre, uh, like I said, streaks are really difficult to get on. Uh, or, or maintain, and sooner or later it's going to end. And, like, you know, the one thing about Baylor is that they, despite all their issues, and people will probably say, well, this is Scott Drew's best coaching year ever, or they'll try and, you know, because of the, the, in the now, I'm still going to go back to actually the 18 19 team when he lost Tristan Clark and how he basically had to flip the script and going outside in with his offense to, in, to, or excuse me, inside out to outside in when that became a jump shooting team, and they found a way to got they found a way to get to the tournament, and then they beat Syracuse in the first round before they got knocked out by Gonzaga. I still think that year was Scott's best year because of how that team pivoted on a dime, uh, half you know once they got into January and Clark went down against Iowa State. You didn't you didn't really see T.J. Maston and those guys getting on a run. 
at the time they lost Tristan. <laughs> yeah, but you know, but you know, but, but streaks are, you know, it, it's 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 really interesting because you know we we can look at football winning streaks from one team dominating the other for many many years. Like what was it like? Texas had beaten Rice for all those years, and Notre Dame had beaten Navy for all those years. And you wonder, and obviously the talent will make the biggest is the biggest reason as to why those things happen. But at the same time. I think conference tournament champions regular season, and I've always put more stock in the regular season conference championship rather than the tournament championships, and I think most people do as well, because you, that's an arduous process. You're going through two months of a season where half of your games are at the other guy's building, and you've got to find a way to win a healthy number of those to keep yourself in contention for that. Yeah, and, and that's why if they play Shaka and them, Marquette, You'd have to feel pretty good about the fact that Scott dominated him when he was at Texas, and yeah. uh, uh, and and certainly knows him, and and he knows Scott, so it, it kind of works both ways. All right, Kevin, sure. uh, good stuff. I uh, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, and look forward to seeing you in Fort Worth. All right, sounds good, Matt. Have a good day. By the way, the girls did not uh, want to uh, do spring break with Dad this year since they're well on their way to doing their own thing so <laughs> that's right yeah i, <laughs> I understand okay there he goes kevin longquist his kids no longer spring breaking with him uh it is uh, the matt mosley show espn central texas let's hear from scott himself